This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast with Alex Milsom and Shivani Dave. Hello and welcome back to the Virgin Radio Broadcast with me, Alex Milsom. Shivani, can you get off your phone? We're trying to record a podcast here. Give me a second, I've just got to post this TikTok. Oh, right, a TikTok influencer. Right, I will do the introduction then, shall I? They are Shivani Dave, and this is the show where we take a look through the Virgin Radio Pride archives, attempting to continue some of the conversations which we started on our fabulous pop-up radio station last year. And today we're going to be chatting all about social media and the effect it has had on our community. First, though, how was your week? I mean, this week Elon Musk bought Twitter, so... I don't know how that has any relevance to me, but I feel like it has relevance to me. I feel like it. we're going to end up seeing, like, oh, anyone can delete their tweets, you know, but they're going to end up being able to edit them. We're going to have people posting tweets that are six pages long. You know when people do the notes apologies? You know when they screenshot their notes out? They've written an apology that's really heartfelt, saying they regret any damage they caused. And so they put that on. What's going to happen is we are going to see that. <laughs> but actual tweets... So people's tweets, apologies. will just be really that's, long. That's my fear. That's my fear. But uh, yeah, that's an exciting one. What actually about you? What What have you directly done this week? I've been thinking a lot about the fact that Elon Musk has bought <laughs> Twitter. I have. I have. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just so much money. I can't even... My mind doesn't no. really understand the way in which one can accumulate that much wealth and why you would choose to spend it like that. It's a lot of dollar dollar bills. That's it, the um, that's a confusing part. And actually, forty four billion dollar dollar bills. Yeah, that is just unfathomable amount of money. I'm like, well, the great news is you and I are closer to being millionaires than Elon Musk is. Are we? Yeah. Oh right, because he's so far off a million. He's like, <laughs> so, he's so in the billions that we have more attainable chances of yeah. hitting that one million mark. Or he, he might lose a small percentage of his wealth and accidentally drop it into my bank account. And then, anyway. Um, this week's been a nice one, hasn't it? It's been a bit of a... a bit of an interesting one. Lots, it's been okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't actually feel like I've gone on Twitter and seen lots of people being abused and, you know, uh, being piled on. So that's always a nice tick. And of course, we've had a big thank you talk. Uh, loads of key workers being thanked by Virgin Radio for their contribution to the Panny D. Panny D, you know, that blip of two years that was in our life. That awful, horrible two-year thing that felt like it lasted longer than the rest of my time on Earth. <laughs> it was a while, wasn't it? Yeah. So let's get cracking, shall we, before Shivani gets distracted by their phone again, honestly. The young kids and their phones. We will start today by hearing from an influencer you'll probably already know, Riyad Kalaf, who started his career posting videos on YouTube. But when Riyad first started posting about his sexuality online, he found out that the reception wasn't as warm as he'd expected. Have a listen. My motivation to go online in the first place was to find a safe space where I, I didn't have it in school. I didn't necessarily have it at home. I was closeted. I had this dark secret that I was terrified of. And the internet was this outlet for creativity, campness, and really whatever I wanted to do. And at the time, because YouTube was in such an infant stage, it wasn't this big, widely used website that everyone knew and liked. It was, it was I think, only two years old at the time. So I was putting stuff up kind of thinking, you know, maybe five or six people will see this. But then as it started to grow, so did my sort of confidence in who I was. 
and I started to you know talk about other issues like you know attraction and sexuality and even before I was talking about that the, the the trolls online had sort of figured out that there was something about me that they didn't like that I had sort of um I had gay energy if you will and they started laying into me now I didn't know who they were where they were but um it was really hard at the age of 16 to deal with death threats from these faceless profiles saying, we are going to get you. We know where you live. And then going into school and looking over your shoulder and thinking, is it him? Is it her? I feel like with social media and, and with these communities online, it's so powerful. You can find a group for anything. If you're into yes. football, if you're into queer football, if you're into Football, I don't know why I started listing football examples and only football examples. Why can they only be, if, if you're into football, social media's for you, but if you don't <laughs> like football, no. No, but whatever the thing, I don't know why I thought football was like a niche thing people would be into as uh, well. Yeah, very few people understand. Yeah. Do you want to explain the rules of football to anyone who's listening and doesn't understand? If you're if you're into anything, like it can be cross-stitch, it can be Pokemon, it can be football. It can be cross-stitch Pokemons that are put on top of footballs. It can be, and there is a community on the internet. The, com- the internet provides this massive space for you to be able to share what you enjoy with other people who will also enjoy it. And it also means that, you know, if you're from a minority group and you want to share your experiences of being part of that group, it can make you a target. Yes. Um, so I found social media was this amazing platform to, you know, build your identity connect with people and find people without ramifications you could be your true self online because you could hide behind the cloak of like an an anonymity or cloak of i was actually axel instead of alex online yeah Um, like you you know we've talked in the past about going to a gay bar and being slightly worried that yes your family might be walking past and see you in the queue or whatever to worry about there is that your browsing history kind of um kind of wasn't really exposed and I still worry about that to this day incognito mode (laughs) incognito mode it's the way forward but I'm disappointed to hear that Riyadh has had that sort of really bad experience where I'm so used to social media in this platform that I could be myself you know talk on kick and uh, reddit going on there AOL chat rooms I had those as well I was on MSN okay I was never I feel like I came quite late to social media because yeah. I think my first social media was Facebook and then Instagram and then Twitter. Yeah. Well, it might have been Twitter and then Instagram. I can't really remember. But those are only really the social medias I had. I never had MySpace. I never had Bebo. It's interesting how you can kind of age someone based off of their different social media platforms they interacted with. You know, there are some people who will not have had any experience with any social media aside from TikTok. Um, and that kind of changes. But obviously... Each platform comes with its threats. So AOL had to have moderators because there were people that were taking advantage of the fact that young people met there. TikTok has the same community regulation things. So it feels like these platforms do have that issue and do have these potential issues, but it takes away from what could be so good about it, you know, finding people that align with you and finding people that match with what you want in life. Yeah, and I think what what you're saying there about like the anonymity and being Axel online when you were a kid, it's it's great to be able to hide who you are. You know, yeah. that can serve as an element of protection. And if you want to find a new community and you don't feel like people who know you in real life would necessarily... You, well, you just don't want them to know that you're part of a, this different community online. No. It can give you the power to to explore these things without 
exposing yourself. But it also means that that same anonymity is is awarded to anybody who might also be derogatory yeah. towards your group, derogatory being a nice way of putting things. Yeah, death threats age 16. To have to deal with that, you know, going into the school gates and wondering who's going to send me a death threat now. Yeah. That's horrible. So it's so disappointed to hear that he had those experiences. Yeah. I think, you know, largely if you're going to be visibly any sort of minority online... There's always a worry, there's always a chance that there's going to be trolling because yeah. we're in just this place in society where it seems like people, for some reason, think it's okay to do that. It's horrible that that is the state of affairs that we're in. So we've heard Riyadh's story of facing trolling coming from outside of the LGBTQ plus community, but often those arguments and debates we have on social media can come from within the community as well. And lots of this tension comes about when people share their opinions online. Have a listen to poet Sophia Blackwell, who spoke to Matt Cain on his Sunday roast about this very issue. I do remember in in the late 90s, yes, the boys and girls would fall out with each other and often trans people didn't really have much of a a voice at all. So that's not really something that I'd necessarily want to return to. I think some of that is to do with the fact that we don't always want the same things and it is that feeling of just because we all sit under this ever-extending umbrella of letters and colours that we should all want the same things and be the same and dream about the same things and that's just unrealistic. So I think that hasn't changed. What has changed is the fact that social media doesn't really allow for much humour, much nuance or the opportunity to read something maybe react a little angrily to it in your own mind and then maybe go away and think, actually, maybe that person's right. Instead, it's just, you know, listen to my hot take. Or maybe nobody wants your hot take. Yeah. Maybe you just go away and think about it for a bit. You don't have to have an opinion on this. That's one of the things that I'd love. If somebody would just be comfortable saying, I don't know about this. I don't know what a trans person wants. I have no opinion on this. I don't have enough knowledge. I would love it. I, that would make my day if I saw that on the internet. I'd be delighted. Instead, people just use this kind of, hyper legalese type sir you have slandered me with your words sort of it's just like this isn't how people communicate this isn't how we talk to each other in the pub in the 90s or the noughties even the early part of the noughties so I think we've lost that Alex I'm going to let you have your hot take but my hot take is that not everything needs a hot take do you know what no my hot take is that actually your hot takes are bad and we need better hot takes there we go that, 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 look at us we're starting, we're starting a feud already let's, let's beef Let's let's have beef. Actually, I'd prefer it if it was a bit of a veggie alternative. Yeah, I don't eat beef. Yeah, um, there we go. Well, that that went to plan, didn't it? But having said that, I definitely see that. You know, those times, and I'm guilty of it myself. Those times when a joke gets misread, and all of a sudden, the world hates you. Yes. <laughs> I have really strong feelings about the fact that people online want to have opinions about everything because it's not just jokes getting misread that can kind of be cleared up a little bit by saying like, sorry, that was a joke. It's got taken out of context. My bad. It's more my issue is the fact that online you will see people who do not know the first thing about whatever it is that is the biggest (laughs) thing that day right they they have no clue no going in blind right so when it was covid and people were talking about masks or no masks or ventilators or no ventilators everyone was an epidemiologist everyone everyone had somehow acquired some sort of degree that made them the authority on this issue 
And then when it came to Partygate and everyone talking about all these different aspects of Partygate, all of a sudden, everyone was a barrister. You know, everyone was a barrister, had legal experience, that understood, oh, this is what the prime is. It, 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 honestly, you, you could go on. And when it's it, the, the person of the day, isn't it? Exactly. And now when it's like coming to trans issues and people want to talk about what's going on with the trans community, whether that's hormone surgery, athletics, uh whatever the topic might be swimming like people just want to say stuff and a lot of the time they're not informed no they're 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 detransitioning experts that have absolutely no clue about the very very small number of cases there are of detransitioning they are just let's let's hold back because that's another opinion we don't need to put out into the world yeah, I think we can get very worked up about this. But I think as well, it's important to know that, like, I'm almost going to slightly contradict myself a little bit because, oh, no. like, the LGBTQ plus community is not a homogenous group. And even each letter within that community is not a homogenous group. Not all gay men or lesbians or bisexual people or trans people think in the same way about every single thing. Mm. That's why you've got people who are gay, for example, on on both sides of the aisle in terms of politics. Some some are more right leaning and some are more left leaning. Because we are not a homogenous group. When you said aisle, I really did think we were talking about weddings. There, I got a bit confused. <laughs> I was like, ah, yes, because as we all know, the debates on which side of the aisle the groom or grooms plural stands on. Honestly, it's a big, it's a hot topic. The worst debate I've I've walked into. You should tweet your opinions on that. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more the fact that, like, yeah, we're not one massive group. We've all got different opinions. And the way social media wants us to interact is to speak for our communities. Yes. And then that means that you get um, more engagement. And, and there's this thing about it that it's addictive, yeah, it, you want the engagement because you get given these like fake bonus points, gold stars from it's the internet that. companies. It's biological. It goes back to the Instagram effect, you know, of seeing. Oh my gosh, I got likes, and oh, that means a lot to me because it releases little, little teeny, teeny bits of endorphins, and you mm-hmm. go, you know, the song. Eat them all up. Okay, not what the sound I was thinking was that. You know, the song do up. Yeah. That's sort of what I imagine, you know, you're walking through the room with endorphins and that's great. However, that is addictive and then it means people feel pressured to constantly do that for more and more. You know, times that people go viral on TikTok, the next time they're desperate for that viral kick. Oh, yeah. Speaking of somebody who is desperate to get that, I had one hit wonder on TikTok and it is a good feeling. And people measure your worth by these kinds of statistics. They say, how many followers do you have? How many likes do you have? How many views do you have? And that, just for the record, is not how we should be measuring our worth, but is what we've started to do as a society. And when people are saying things like... um, whatever it might be that their hot take on the internet about whatever topic it is it's because we feel or we have been programmed trained to think that we need to always have something to say about every topic in order to stay relevant yes the relevancy like the relevancy point the relevancy question are you relevant Exactly. And then and then algorithms have been built to reward the relevancy so the more you post the more you tweet the more you instagram the more you share it kind of benefits you with the algorithm and 
you know, the more controversial things you say or the more inflammatory things you say, you get more comments, you get more opinions, you get more controversy, you get more engagement, you get more likes, you get more shares, you get all of this stuff that tells you you're doing a really good job and next time you do it, you want to go even bigger and better. It's true, you know, that constant feel of, of saying things that push the boundary just that little bit. I was listening to this podcast called Hidden Brain and it was talking about this person who basically got cancelled from their university because they were sharing inappropriate memes, like really edgy memes. And they were saying about how it was the push for the next meme and then the push for the next thing and the push for the next reaction and people fire emoji reacting was what they used to describe a, a meme as edgy. I do realise I sound like a 40-year-old man describing meme culture here, but that's what it was. And it was an outlet for them to gain popularity, but it was also this push to kind of be a bit bolder than the next person. But ultimately, things get exposed, things get leaked, and it crossed the point. And then this person lost all of their university spaces. You know, it came out in the news. All of that stuff, they were ultimately facing the consequences of their action. And sometimes that's what can happen. People push, 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 push. They don't fall foul of the rules yet, but they're clearly, clearly miffing off a lot of people. And, and they're heading on. that way. Yeah, and they're heading to that way where they're either going to get in trouble with the law or they're going to get in trouble and have their social media accounts taken, by which point they're unemployable by anyone else because they've put all of these, and I'm using air quotes, hot takes out in the world. It goes on anyway. Alex air quotes Milsom, everybody. Alex air quotes Milsom is back in the studio. And I think the idea of people feeling free to share their opinions, whether or not the opinions are wanted, is something that we've spoken about time and time again on the podcast. And it can be especially prevalent online. But what are some of the other pressures which social media places on those in our community? One of those issues is body image. Let's have a listen to YouTuber Callum McSwiggan talking to Matt Kane about the pressure he felt to post pictures of his body online. It's a really, like, strangely complicated issue. Um, and I, for a long time, I felt that people, I, I genuinely felt that people online would not respect me if I didn't look a certain way. And They wouldn't think you had a brain or anything to say. No, no, I'm, I mean genuinely that people were more likely to listen to you if you looked a certain way. So I, right. so, you know, so I, I felt really pressured and pushed into striving to make myself look a little bit more um, what, what, what is deemed acceptable or um, desired after. Um, and, and so I kind of fell into this trap of, you know, OK, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take my top off in this picture. Maybe I will show a bit more skin. Maybe I'll post more pictures in my Speedo. And then and then more people come to the conversation. But then you, 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 you end up in this difficult place where it's like, I love using my social media presence to talk about issues that I really care about. Yeah. Um, and it, and I feel like I'm often in this place where it's like, if I'm not in my Speedo, if I don't have my top, top off, people no longer wish to listen to me so I so I end up in this kind of like catch 22 downward spiral where it's like okay I have to take my clothes off at all times if I want to get people's attention and the second I stop doing that then people stop listening I definitely feel that in the LGBTQ plus community it's true there is that pressure to have to put on your best face you know have to look good have to put on a filter whatever it may be to just look a little bit more polished because otherwise you're sort of in competition with other people. I sort of think of it as like competition on dating profiles, you know, all of that stuff, the constant pursuit of popularity and constant pursuit of feeling like you fit in. 
the amount of people I know that have been quite exclusionary to people who don't have loads of Instagram followers or think that's like a, a, a bad trait of them is quite surprising. Yeah. No, I definitely see what you're saying. It's something that I've seen people sort of infer as well. And I think the weirdest thing is that it's it's slightly different here because it's it's us. It's us as humans deciding that we are going to take people more seriously if we find them attractive or we are going to care more about their opinions if we like the way that they show us before and after photos of their makeup or they do x y and z their workout pictures they're at the gym a lot all of that stuff yeah and it's it's humans here being really poorly wired to only sort of seem to be interested in people that they're attracted to or that they fancy and it I'm not obviously not saying this in all cases. There are lots of people who follow others because they're interested in what they've got to say. But I think mm-hmm. it's it's a fair comment to say largely people feel this pressure because a semi-naked photo gets more likes than an infographic with really useful information. I've done both and I've seen the results. Yeah, the results... The results are there. I've also found on social media, from my perspective, like I realised that the tweets that did well when I was talking about certain things are the ones that had a picture of me in the certain thing. Now, oh, I went to this event versus here's a picture of me at the event. There is that huge difference in what I've seen with the engagement, but then it's what follows after that, which is that then... Twitter starts recommending you to people who are specifically out searching for pictures of people they deem attractive. And that's a problem I'm having right now where I'm getting followed left, right and centre by accounts that are being used for people to either post their own porn or searching for others. And it feels really demeaning and I feel quite almost disgusted a little bit that I've my Twitter, which was a work Twitter, it always has been, Sometimes work don't like what I tweet. That's how it will be, how it always has been, and it will continue to be. But I found that I'm now getting followed by these accounts that... Make you seem unprofessional? Not just that, but actually really, really creep me out. Mm. And that's all because in the past, I felt that I was happy enough to show myself. And that's what I'm facing to the extent where I'm just blocking new accounts that follow me that are following like 3,000 people and have 10 followers because I know it's going to come next from them. Yeah. I know it's going to be something that makes me feel absolutely terrible, makes me feel objectified, just because I happen to be posted. I had a suit picture, and I was the, the DMs and messages that I was getting from that, all because in the past I used to feel confident about myself and would post that, and now Twitter, or my professional Twitter, no matter what it is, the DLR. I was on a DLR the other day. I posted a picture, a video actually, enjoying the fact that I was on the front of the DLR. Yeah, that's right, Shiv. We can get back on the front of the DLR. And it's a very exciting behold, time. It is. It's the best, the best time. However, the replies that I got and the DMs that I got and everything like that was absolutely atrocious. Ugh. Yeah. It's... Social media, burn it. No, I need it for work. <laughs> Don't burn it, please. It's it's a hard it's a hard one to balance, and I think you know people on the internet are just trying to be people on the internet yes. right like the people i know on the internet are just trying to share what they had for lunch and show you where they've been and tell you this joke that they said 
that they think is funny or whatever it is. Yeah. And there's this other element that, like, you know, I don't think we're actually going to be um, free of until society as a whole shifts to a mindset that is less driven by sexual desire and fancying and like only thinking that someone is engaging because they're attractive that whole trope of only really wanting to talk to people that you think are attractive yeah and valuing people for what they have to do and have to say and actually what what they know yeah um it's something where i think in queer spaces and lgbtq plus spaces there is a shift in that you know i think we as a community are getting more aware of the fact that we have put these pressures on ourselves of body image and type and you know chiseled jaw lines and all of these things that are for some people unobtainable and yeah. for a lot of people ridiculously unhealthy amounts of hard work to maintain yep. so we are i think as a community or certain parts of our community because obviously as i said earlier we're not homogenous no we're not one big blob but parts of our community are definitely shifting towards this space of realizing that we need to put our mental health first our happiness first our our thoughts and our feelings and our opinions and and all of these things first as opposed to how we look uh, but i think the rest of society and and people outside that sort of movement within the queer community still need to catch up a little bit yeah and i mean basically we need a queer liberation (laughs) we always did we always do we always will every week so we've heard from callum riyad and sophia about the negative side of social media for our community but there must be positive elements too i mean my tiktok's a pretty good place to start oh my goodness really already trying to plug it again no comment there we'll see though if there are any other positives aside from shiv's tiktok right after your virgin radio pride weekly update with Daryl Jackson. Thank you. First this week, Benedict Cumberbatch says the fact his new Doctor Strange film might not be shown in Saudi Arabia is an expected disappointment. Officials in the country have asked for references to an LGBTQ character to be cut from the movie, but Disney have said they won't make the edit. The star says he's pleased they're refusing. We've come to know from those repressive regimes that their lack of tolerance is exclusionary to people who deserve to be not only included but celebrated for who they are and made to feel a part of a society and a culture and not punished for their sexuality. Tory Minister for Digital Culture, Media and, for some reason, Sport, Nadine Dorries, has waded into the debate on trans women's participation in sport, insisting it is impossible. Dorries said this. We're speaking to various sporting bodies about this. I am absolutely the opinion that it is impossible for a trans woman to compete in women's sports. Well, although research is still lacking, many sporting bodies and advocacy groups agree that the inclusion of trans athletes does not impact the fairness of sports, with cisgender athletes also displaying a wide range of physiological and biological differences. Now, landscapers and We Are Lady Parts dominated at the British Academy Television Craft Awards. The awards celebrate behind-the-scenes talent in the television industry. It's a Sin, which stars Ollie Alexander and follows a group of gay men and their friends as they navigated the UK's HIV-AIDS crisis, picked up two awards during the ceremony for Best Editing and Best Director. That's all for this week. I'll be back next week. 
Thank you, Daryl. So we've been speaking today about the negative effects that social media can have on our community, but there must be some positives too, right? I'm going to plug my Instagram at this point. Yeah, <laughs> at Alex Molson. I mean, for the amount of time we spend on there, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Let's hear again from broadcaster and influencer Riyad Khalafa on some of the benefits which being online can have for our community. Yeah, it's an amazing tool, you know, for us as a community, for the everyday queer person to just um, put their life out there and desensitise non-queer eyes to their existence. Um, you know, it, it, that's what I find is actually just as important as the, you know, shouting for, for rights. Um, and that's what I try to do on my platform is, you know, look at my boyfriend, look at my accepting parents, look at my lovely um, queer, but also very boring life. Um, and then also look at this thing that I really, really care about. And I need you, straight follower, to come with me on this journey. And But if they are invested in the other elements of my life, the more mundane everyday stuff, then the likelihood is that they will um, come on board for that. So, for example, when I do something like um, MasterChef, a mainstream program with a, a mature audience that are, you know, by and large, straight and cisgender, and I get a, a wave of followers from that cohort, and um, they're now going to be by default exposed to uh, the life that I lead. And I think that that is an amazing thing. So um, without, I truly believe without social media, um, we would be miles behind where we are now in terms of change, because it's a way of holding people to account, holding brands, holding broadcasters, holding journalists to account when something doesn't um, fit with us and, and work with us in the way that it should. Do you know, I think one of the best things that's come out of my experiences on social media, because there are good ones, you know, uh, I mean, Tinder's technically a, a social network app and I found lovely people on that. So is Grindr, found less lovely people on that one. But I have found social media is this amazing way of connecting people. There are people I really value in my life that I only know through social media. And that's what's so great about it. It's a platform where if you know where to look, whether it's the Facebook Wine Mums memes page, you know, the group, love that page when I had Facebook, or whether you're looking elsewhere, if you find the right place, you can find the people that you want to bring into your life, not just live on socially. Yeah, definitely. I think that if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't be so sure of my sexuality and my gender because it's through having seen people like me that it's helped me feel confident in who I am and proud of my identity and I've been able to chat to people who live in all sorts of different places and a lot of those people have been part of the LGBTQ plus community. Some of them haven't. It's just mm. people who I've got shared common interests with and I would have never met them without this sort of ability to open a whole world of people and sort of allow me to just be in touch with anyone. Of course. It's just finding finding those people and then going oh actually i i jam with you online let's just you know drag you into my life a bit a little bit more rather than just 280 characters on twitter why don't you do a bit more exactly and i think like if you're using social media safely you know we've discussed some of the negatives we've discussed the trolling we've discussed you know the fact that people might not always be who they seem if you are aware of those things and know how to navigate those scenarios and those situations to keep yourself protected, i.e. if you are going to take a friendship or a relationship offline and meet someone in real life, text your friends, let them know yeah. where you're going, share your location. But it's one of those things that 
does mean that you have this ability to to do things in a different way that you wouldn't have been able to do 20 years ago yeah also it sounds like my mum being like right if you're gonna if you're gonna go and meet someone off of the facebook make sure you tell me where you are like i love that fact that obviously we do have to still protect you wouldn't just meet a random stranger in the street so you have to just be smart and protect yourself also love you mum hi if you're listening um (laughs) I think, though, when it comes to social media, we've kind of come to a conclusion here. And the only real conclusion we can make is that it's a mixed bag when it comes to our community. But it's not going away anytime soon, is it? Not if Elon Musk's got anything to say about it. No. And on that note, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. Before we go, though, a really decent way you can make use of social media yourself this week is by getting in touch with us about literally anything you've heard about this week or would like to hear in the future. You can tweet us at Virgin Radio UK, remembering to use hashtag Virgin Radio Pridecast. Or you can email us on pridecast at virginradio.co.uk. Pridecast or Pridecast? Oh, oh, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Where are we going with this one? Scone or scone. Anyway. See, see you next, next week. week. Shiv, stop taking selfies. <laughs>